0: Everyone, and as the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And some of you look like you don't agree. (laughs) Well, we are in between sermon series. Uh, We just finished up the Three Thieves of Thanksgiving, and next week we start a Christmas series entitled Who Needs Christmas? So, this is like a gap week, a week where I just, I was just before the Lord praying. And in October, I had finished up the reading of the book of Luke in preparation for Christmas. And in November, I started, I went back to my favorite book of the New Testament, the book of Philippians. And I was reading through Philippians and I just want to share with you from, I, I don't do a, devotion, a, a journal every day, but there are some times during my devotions where, I mean, I'll get these thoughts, and I, I just think, to my, i got to write them down. So I want to share with you from the book of Philippians. My lifelong pursuit, and in my lifelong pursuit, is to just know him. And as I was going through the third chapter of the book of Philippians, I found myself reading and asking myself some questions. And I want to share with you those five questions. So it's a five-point sermon, so we we got to get moving. But I like to read the Bible in different translations, and one of my favorites is the New Testament in modern English. It's by J.B. Phillips. But listen to what he says how he translates the words of Jesus in Mark 8:34 If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps he must give up all rights to himself take up his cross and follow me he must give up all rights Now how many know that just doesn't happen overnight I wish it could just, boom, but, but that's a process. And in my journey, in this process, in this lifelong pursuit to know him more, from time to time, you have to take stock. You have to evaluate. A lot of people wait to the beginning of the new year to evaluate I always like to do it before the holidays because once the holidays come, it's so busy. So in November, as I sat down to read the book of Philippians, I started to ask myself these simple questions that were taught to me by my good friend, Dave Greco, at a men's breakfast six years ago. K-I-S-S. In evaluating, there are some things you just need to keep on doing. In evaluating, there's some things you can improve on. There's some things you can stop doing. I, this year in July, I stopped doing something that I've done for years. I decided I'm tired of riding around in a crummy car. And I said, I go swimming early in the morning. I usually stop and get an egg wrap. And I'm eating it in the car or a bagel. And, you know, you're just, you're not even enjoying it. You're just eating it to eat so you can get to church to have your devotion. And I said, my goodness, if I can't sit down for 10 minutes to enjoy my breakfast. So since July, I have stopped eating in my car. And after swimming in the morning, I go to a Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, a bagel shop. And I, I just, I sit there and for 10 minutes, I just eat. Watch people actually made friends. It's amazing. And there are some things that you need to start doing. Well, when I came to the third chapter of Philippians and evaluating, I want to challenge you with some thoughts this morning. Paul, who is from Tarsus, which is modern-day Turkey, just kind of coincident, Paul writes to the church At Philippi, but whatever was to my profit, whatever I considered gain, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, whose forsake I lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, right before this, if if you were to think about what Paul was considering lost, Paul said these things. If anyone else has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, a zeal for persecuting the church, for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul says... I was above everyone else. I had more confidence in my righteousness. But after finding Christ, I consider that all rubbish. In the King James, you know what it says? It doesn't say rubbish. You know what it says? Dung. Do I need to explain what dung is? No, I think you get the picture. But I've always read it like this, but this... Year, as I'm reading it, I realized consider is not in the past tense. So, as he considered all those things of his past life worthless as lost, he also says in the present tense, after serving the Lord, Paul now has known the Lord for 30 years. And after walking with the Lord for 30 years, in his present day life, he still says, there are things I consider loss when it compares to knowing Jesus Christ. And that word lost appears three times in two verses. And all of a sudden I started to think. Three years ago around this time. We're approaching 2020. And a lot of corporations, even our network, 2020, the year of vision. 2020 vision. The year of vision. The year, and all of a sudden, when 2020 came, it did give us some vision of how quickly things can be shut down. You know, we forgot. But it was bizarre how society just came to a screeching halt. Quarantined. Only essential businesses. And I always remember how we couldn't even gather inside for an Easter service. How quickly things we take for granted are lost. And I thought to myself, and I wrote, where is my security? Is my security in my 401k? Because all of a sudden, how many know that can be lost? Is my security in my family? How many know that that can be taken away quickly? Is your security in your spouse? How many know that your spouse can be taken away quickly? Is your security in your job? In your position. How many know that tomorrow you could go and that job could not even exist? Where is your security? And I'm sitting there and I realize there is only one thing that cannot be taken away from me. And that's my relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have to look at everything else as lost. There's only one thing, and that's what Paul is realizing. There's only one thing that is top of my priority list, and I consider everything else as loss because it can all be taken away. The word "lost" in the Greek is uh, zemei zemeia, and it's found in Acts 27 when Paul was in a ship in the midst of the nor'easter. For 14 days. And remember, they were afraid, just like Jonah, they were afraid the ship was going down. So, what did they do? It was necessary that they throw things overboard so the ship could stay afloat. That word loss means lost at sea. And I'm wondering here this morning as I ask myself this question. Am I willing to count all things lost? What is there in my life that's kind of like sinking me in my relationship with Jesus Christ? What is there in my life that's not keeping me afloat with where I need to be in Christ? What things in my life do I need to throw overboard so that I can survive the storms of life and stay afloat with my relationship with Jesus Christ? There's some things in our life, folks, we just need to. To count as lost. And dump overboard. Now why does Paul do this? Why does Paul consider all things as lost? Why is Paul willing to throw things overboard? He says because I want to know Christ. And I ask myself this question. Am I passionate to know Christ. Do I have a passion to be willing to count all things as lost just to know Christ? Every once in a while I get to talk to young couples who are preparing for marriage. And every once in a while I'll get a couple in and they'll say, "Yeah, we've we've been best friends since high school." And we share everything. We're best friends. We, we just know everything about each other. And I sit there smiling. But I feel like saying, oh honey, if you only knew. <laughs> Heather has known me for 43 years. 44 years. We've been married for 41 years. And she just found out something about me just a couple nights ago. Scared me. Friday nights after we have dinner, we'd like to go to Starbucks. And she sits in the car, and I go in and get her hot chocolate, and I get my vanilla latte. And I order, and I get it. Now it, oh wow! You got to pray for me as I get older, because when you paid two fifty for it, they used to stir it up. Now I watch them. I'm paying four dollars for them, and they'll just make it. They're in such a rush; they just put it on a cap and they'll hand it to me. And I'll say, "Can I have a straw?" They used to you used to be able to just pick up straws. Now you got to ask for straws and hope that they're plastic. Can I have a straw? And and they look at me like I'm crazy because it's a hot drink. Yeah. And in front of them, I'll open the lid, take the straw, and stir it in front of them. It's kind of like being passive aggressive. (laughs) You know? So the other night we were there, and I ordered the same. And they go, here's your latte. So I take a sip, and it's hot chocolate. And I'm thinking, everybody can make a mistake. So then the girl comes and says, here's your hot chocolate. And I'm thinking, okay, it must be my latte. I drink it, and it's hot chocolate. <sighs> notice, notice, I'm sitting there, I'm going, I ordered a latte, vanilla latte, and a hot chocolate, but I got two hot chocolates and the girl comes around and goes, "Oh, here's your latte." And I said, "Oh, I'm sorry, but I drank from both of these hot chocolates. I must have drank some from buddies else, and you better take it back." And they're looking at me like and I'm just like this. I walk out, I go to the car, I sit down, and Heather goes, "What were you frustrated about?" How did you know I was frustrated? You're in the car." I'm saying, Because I saw you scratching your head. And I've noticed lately, whenever you're frustrated, you're scratching your head. So I just gave it away in staff meetings. (laughs) And I kind of like jokingly said, after 44 years, you're just knowing that about me now. But if it took 44 years just to find that out about a simple human being how much more longer does it take to know a finite god i want to know him paul says moses says just show me your glory show me your whole being show me your whole character show me your presence the psalmist says, as the deer pants for streams of, of water, so my soul pants, so my soul desires, so my soul just longs for you, oh God. Paul, after serving him for 30 years, after going, after spending 10 years on three different missions trips, after, after planning all these churches, you you think Paul would know all there was about God. He says, I, I just want... To know him. You know what I think is interesting is Paul knew him on an intellectual level. But what was Paul doing? Persecuting the church, persecuting the very one whom he said he knew. And it's only after coming to Christ that he realized, and he experienced Christ, did he realize, oh my goodness, God and Jesus are one of the same. And I said I knew God, and here I am persecuting him. How many know that you can be a Christian and not know him? Philip said this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father That will be enough for us. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, don't you know me? Because he who has seen me has seen the Father. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And the whole problem is that word, no. We know about God. We can quote facts about God. We know stories about God. But do we have a personal encounter of experience with God where it's through that experience you know him because he has shown you who he is? And I thought, if it takes Heather, after 44 years, just to realize so I'm frustrated when I'm scratching my head. How much more is there to know about a finite God? And do I have a passion to know Him? I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Now, for years, I have always read this that Paul's just basically saying, when I die, I want to know of the power of the resurrection that I'll be raised. But it's more than that. C.S. Lewis says, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. When Paul talks about living and knowing the power of the resurrection, he says, I want to know that power that was able to raise Christ from the dead. I want to know that power now. I want to know that power that I don't have to live in bondage any longer to sin I want to know that power that gives me victory over sin. I want to know that power where I don't have to be held captive. I don't have to be bound by this human flesh and this old self I want to know the power that I can raise above. I can rise above this sinful nature and live a victorious life here on earth. I want to know the power of his resurrection, not just at death. I want to know the power of the resurrection to live a victorious life here and now. And I said, am I fully devoted to live that new life? Because some of us just like swallowing in the mud still. I know what this is. I know what it's used for. But we just call it the fireplace poker. Is there any other, is it, anybody else know anything, what the proper name is this? I just call it a fireplace poker. We poke the logs and, I mean, and this is what I was thinking. poke the logs, and you take it out. But if you kept this in a hot fire for a while, what happens? It becomes hot. I don't know if it will glow, but I'm hoping that it will glow. Get that nice orangey glow to it. And as I pull it out of the fire with that orangey glow, if I were to touch a piece of paper, the heat that is in this steel Would transfer to that paper and probably set it on fire. I was thinking, I think that's what Paul was saying. I want to know the intensity, I want to know the heat, I want to know the power of the resurrection. That it's flowing from me, and that whatever I touch, it will transfer and set it ablaze and set it on fire. Am I fully devoted to live that new Christian life? To know the power of his resurrection? To be victorious over sin? And then he says, Oops, let me go back here. Am I willing to sacrifice and pay that price? We all want to know about the power. We all want to know about the fire. But come on, be honest. Who here wants to know about the fellowship in sharing of suffering and death. We want, we want to share in the power. But do you want to share in the suffering? I was just thinking about this last part of verse 10. And it was taken back to my college days. Where at Phoenixville... University of Valley Forge, some people in the community from the outside would attend class, pay, but they would only audit the class. You know what that is? Have you ever been in a class where people just are there to audit? They're, they're not there for a grade. They're not there. They're exempt from all the papers and all the tests. They don't get credit hours, but they pay just to come to class to listen to the lectures and i'm thinking in you know as a 19 20 year old kid who in the world would want to do that just pay to listen to lectures when you're not getting any credit hours for it but people did that they would come to listen but they didn't have to participate come on we'll come and listen we'll read about the fellowship of suffering. But who really wants to participate? We'll pay, but we don't want to participate. Have you ever gone through a storm in life, a hardship, a trial? And I'm sure there's always been a time in your life where you asked this question, Why is this happening to me? Come on. I'm sure there's not one who can't say there's been a time in your life where you did not question, why is this happening to me? And you usually find out the answer months or years later when you realized that through that hardship Through that suffering, God advanced you to another level of intimacy with him, of knowing him, where you had to trust him, where you had to depend on him. Because I've realized it's through the trials in life where the Lord will get you to the point where you cannot rely on yourself, your knowledge, your ability, but God will get you to the end of your rope that the only thing you can depend and trust on is in God. And when God gets you to that point, he brings you to a new level of intimacy. Am I prepared? To pay that price. And then he goes on to say. And somehow. To obtain the resurrection. From the dead. Now I thought about this. And thought about this. And thought about this. Paul says I want to know the power here and now. I want to join in the fellowship of suffering. Suffering. But I also want to attain resurrection from the dead. That in my death, I want to receive that power that glorifies God. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me what I believe he's referring to. Remember when the early church stoned Stephen? Do you know who they had to ask permission of first? Saul. And I believe that as Paul gave permission for the stoning of Stephen and Paul saw this power, this attitude, that as this man is being stoned, he said, Father, forgive them. I believe that was forever etched in the mind and in the heart of Saul. And Saul, after knowing Christ, after Christ revealed himself on the road to Damascus, all of a sudden Paul said that power that Saul experienced, that, that Stephen experienced in his death. That glorified God. I want to know that same power that when it comes time for me to leave this earth, I want that same power that no matter how I may die, I'll be glorifying God with my life. And then Paul goes on to say, Not that I have already obtained all this because it's a process. Or have already been made perfect because it's a process. I press on. That speaks of endurance. To take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it. But there's one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. I got stuck. Forget. Why do you want to forget? All the churches you planted and all the missionary trips and all, I mean, all the thousands you want. Why do you want to forget about that? Because it's so easy to be content with past successes and experiences that you just sit around. And Paul says there's an endurance. There's this this desire that I just don't want to sit around content. Living on past experiences and successes, but I'm straining. When you strain, I remember before I had glasses, I used to strain so I could focus. I focus towards what is ahead, and I press on. I'm progressing. I'm moving on to win the gold and the win the prize which God called me heavenly for. And I'm reading this, and I said, Am I willing to finish strong? Am I gonna run to the finish? It's nineteen, yeah, eighty-seven. In nineteen eighty-seven, I I did the New York Marathon with my father-in-law, and I'm telling you, when we got in the Central Park, we were just dragging. And when we turned the corner of Central Park and saw the finish line, I mean, it was, it was. Was all we could do to get there. Five years later, 1992, I said, I'm not going to finish that. I'm going to finish strong. And you know what I did? I trained a little harder, prepared a little better, educated myself a little better. Got in the Central Park, even in the hills, man. Finished strong. What am I saying? I want to keep in his word. I want to keep before him. When I, oh Lord, when I see that finish line that is ahead, I want to finish strong. All of us, this blew me away. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. All of us, all that I've just said, all who are mature And I kept saying, mature, 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 mature. All of us who are mature should take view of such things. And then I wrote something down that I'm just going to read it the way I wrote it. Maturity as a believer is not measured by how much you know. It's measured by the passion in which you are committed to live out your faith. A lot of times we think maturity is all how much we know. But it's a matter of a passion in which you are committed to live out your faith, to not neglect the assembling of yourselves, or some are in the habit of doing. But Sunday, the Sabbath, a day dedicated to the Lord. Come on. I used to hear, oh man, now I can preach. Years ago, it was called the Sabbath. Then it was called the Lord's Day. You know what we call it today? The weekend. That wasn't in my notes. And if on some point you think differently, (laughs) I love Paul here. If you don't agree with me, if, you, if there's some of you who think differently, Paul says, there's no debate, there's no arguing. If you think differently, well, God will make it clear to you because I know I'm right. <laughs> I just love it. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Oh, man, thank the Lord for those days where you just lay before him and his word becomes so alive that it just propels you to ask questions as you evaluate, take inventory. Here's a little checklist. Have you asked Jesus Christ into your life to forgive your past and to direct your future? That's where it all starts. Have you made a conscious decision that you're done with low level, low level Christian living? I just don't want to make it through. Are you spending time every day reading the Bible and praying? They get harder as they go. Are you a part of accountability group? Are you a part of a small group of Christians that meet regularly to help you? Man, we need one another. To encourage, to spur on. You can't do this walk alone. Do you meet with others regularly to help others live this full devotion to Christ? I think about the song we were singing, all of life comes down to just one thing. That's to know you, Jesus, and to make you known. And you say, but that's two things. No, it's one of the same. Because when you know him, you'll reflect. You'll reflect grace to others. Would you bow your heads with me?